Welcome to Cleisha Blanchard to Baytown Engage Podcast. Please tell everyone about you and who you are. Okay, thank you so much. My name is Tekleisha Blanchard. I'm a resident of Baytown, Texas. I'm a graduate of Baytown Lee High School, also a graduate of the University of Houston. I am a current law student at Thurgood Marshall School of Law at Texas Southern University. I currently hold the title as the SBA Student Bar Association President as well. I have run for office here in town in 2016. I was the youngest first of Caribbean descent. Um, and as far as I know, the first black woman to run for that particular I think, seat. I think that's accurate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was 26. My undergraduate degrees in political science. I've done a lot of things within the community. I started an initiative called Pretty for Prom, which a lot of people are familiar with back in 2016 as well. So, you know, I've been around. Actually, it was 2013. But I'm politically engaged. I'm community engaged. But I'm just a regular old girl from around the way. Well, you know, I'm a, for- I'm a former gander myself. So so I appreciate you on that one. Where is your family from? My family's from St. Lucia. So oh, okay. I'm actually the first born American in my family. So am I. Yes. Yeah, so I hold my Caribbean ties very close to me. I identify with that part of my culture. My mom was from St. Lucia and my dad's from Trinidad. Oh. My sister was born in St. Croix, but I was the first one born here. Here. Yes. Yeah, my so. mother and my uncle were actually born in St. Croix as well. But I was first to be born on, right, right. you know, stateside. Interesting dynamic interesting background I've had to calm my personality down because my family was very not loud but just vibrant vibrant and (laughs) bold and outspoken and with all of that I can see why you ran for office and you're a go-getter because it's really instilled in us to be you don't sit still what are you doing I mean there's no time for that what is that (laughs) okay you you did something keep going keep Keep going going, keep going so what made you run for counsel. So it's very interesting. As I mentioned, my degrees in political science, I've known since I was five, I wanted to be an attorney. Okay. And so the path has always been geared towards that. I've interned at the attorney general's office when I was in, doing my undergraduate studies. I worked in Houston City Council for Councilman Jerry Davis. Okay. And seeing things on a large scale and understanding my network and what I was able to learn during this process, I wanted to bring that back to Baytown. But it was just a thought. And I think I've expressed it to one person at the time, which is my mom, but I don't think I took myself seriously at the time. Okay. And and that was years before I ran, much, 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 much further down the line. And so I continued my studies and I continued my engagement. I worked several campaigns. I was a campaign manager for a gentleman who ran for city council in Houston. And then one day I helped charter the local chapter of the NAACP along with several other community leaders here in Baytown. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. And when they pulled me in to, to offer my what I could to the project somebody called me and I actually was taking a nap (laughs) and they called me and they said there's a vacancy for the district three seat and I said okay and I said well I think I'm properly positioned to put my name on the ballot I said with my studies with who I know with what I've done with my influence in the community I think that would be good and it was a thought once before so why not and then with that being said I thought a win was a win just because my name was on the ballot right because no one else had from Northwood. I grew up in Northwood. I grew up in Archie Courts, which no longer is standing. Right. I grew up in the hood. And so if I could mobilize myself as an individual, symbolically, that says that we can all do whatever we desire. And so I was able to mobilize a lot of young votes. I worked in the school district for some time. And so I was able to get people politically engaged in their local elections. And I thought that was a win. And we garnered over 700 votes. And I, to me, that was a win for me. That's a lot for a council seat 
to even get because what I've noticed recently with council elections, you really don't have a big turnout. I mean, they get votes because they're there definitely. Right. But the numbers do not equal the mm-hmm. amount of citizens. And I think what's interesting what you just said was you represented an area that isn't represented. People tend to, you know, you want to see someone who looks like you may not be look, but I, I've been that environment. I right. know that background. So if she can do it. Why can't I? Why can't I? And I think definitely it charged people in 2016 to pay more attention to what goes on in Baytown, the younger generation, because you had someone who was young, um, vibrant, who looks like me being in my environment, knows my area, knows my background, and they're doing it. So it showed a journey. And that's where it comes into everything now. You want to have representation. You want your face to be relatable. Like you can see my story. I was you or you you can be me or amplify who you are to be me. Absolutely. With running, being living and raised in Baytown, going to high school in Baytown, junior high in Baytown. Mm-hmm. Horseman. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gentry. So, you know, you're from this side of town. What have you seen growing up and now the changes in Baytown and what has not changed? So, and this is no shade to anyone. Mm-hmm. This is my story. Right. I, I will always be truthful. I did not see actively a face that looked like mine in the community. And I've always been in leadership roles. I have accepted that that's what God wants for me. Right. And so I use my influence for good. And I'm deliberate and very purposeful with how I walk and present myself. And I said, I will be the face that I did not see. I will allow my students to follow me on social media so they can see that I'm walking the talk and that they too should, you know, because oftentimes we hear adults wag their finger, do as I say, not as as I I do. do. And that's difficult for a young mind to process. It doesn't work anymore. You can't be that way. It never worked. You have have to share your story. And so I didn't see that growing up. I'm not saying it wasn't there. It's just not what I saw. And so I wanted to be that person. I've seen a tremendous growth in town, especially infrastructure. You know, Garth Road, the expansion of the neighborhoods, the new high schools, Mm -hmm. junior highs, even elementaries at this point. So I've seen a tremendous growth in our small town. We're not so small anymore. And, And things that I haven't seen change and I actually was more exposed to working in the district and just growing up right and being more mature is there's still a system that is perpetuated choosing my words wisely there's still I mean the world is a who you know kind of place not always a what you know kind of place and it is that way and so we understand the game and we get in the game and we play it But that's not always fair, you know, and I've seen that. And like I say, just being exposed and seeing and growing up and just opening my eyes. It's always been there. But I've seen that and I think people are tired of that. And that is just everywhere. That is in every facet of life. You'll see those kind of things happening, you know, to speak to a social issue, if you will, in town. The tree on Texas Avenue. Growing up, I was told that there was still a rope in the tree and there was black people hung from the tree. Now, whether that is factual or it isn't, that was the truth that was spoken. And so it stuck with people. And going to school, I went to Days of Allah. We, we took field trips to the Wooster School and we yeah. learned the history of Baytown. And the history of the tree was just conveyed very differently. You know, it was a tree that 
almost died and a doctor brought the tree back to life and so we kind of protect it protect it but that wasn't the story i heard first and so being of african descent being of caribbean descent i saw conflicting views it stuck with me i didn't know how to deal with that growing up but i again my grandmother always says you'll grow up and didn't want to question it i didn't know what to question right, it's, right. i heard one thing i heard another thing and i it stuck with me though and then so i say that i use that as an example to say some things change in the some things have not. Right. Some things are ingrained in quote unquote history and it's accepted because of that doesn't mean that it is good. Do you feel, though, that we have youth right now that's pushing the envelope and pushing the questioning and not just accepting what is being said? I feel that looking at, you know, June 4th with the with the marches that we've had, it was filled with young people who are pushing the I want the truth, whatever it may be. Do you feel with that type of uproar that we'll have a major change in Baytown? I'm hoping so. I think it. there's, and again, this is not exclusive to Baytown. Mm -hmm. This is across the world and this is in life in general, but oftentimes people get comfortable. We become complacent. We accept things for what they are because it's been. But because it's been doesn't mean it's always been right. Mm -hmm. And so at some point, someone has to challenge. And once that challenge happens, whether the challenge is accepted or forced, it perpetuates change. There, there needs to be a change in everything in life. People get divorces. That's change. Right. People have children. That's change. People move out of their neighborhoods that they grew up in. That's change. You know, we accept change in life. And I, I think that needs to be across the board. But as you said, what is the truth? And we have to accept those things. And we're not taken away from anybody's truth. But there is some deep-rooted yeah. truth that, right. <laughs> you know, you, right. we, we have to get to, to to certain things. But um, I think we're a pretty progressive uh, town. I think there are some things where we still have a good old boy system. There are some places where that exists. But I, I personally was the only little black girl in a lot of my classes. But I didn't know that. I wasn't treated that way, you know. Which is good. Right. Is Th good. And that's why I say I think there we have to call it like it is. There we, we have some good going on. We have some bad going on. Like anywhere. Anywhere. Right. And so, you know, I was embraced by my teachers and my friends alike. And I embraced them. And growing up in a Caribbean household, race was not a topic of discussion. It wasn't. You know, I found a very much difference uh, with my American friends. You know, that is a topic of discussion. But understanding that the culture is different, we understand. But very young, I understood also that just because my culture is different, I don't walk around with a solution flag on my head. <laughs> right. I'll be treated and I have to understand the plight of the black American because I'll be treated as such from opposing. Yeah, he, no one looks at you and knows, oh, well, her, her background is different. Right. I was talking to some friends of mine about that, how in my household, the conversation wasn't what you experience. It was more so because of where my family comes from, not the color of my skin, is the culture was totally different. Absolutely. So different. The, the differences I felt was, oh, you sound different. Your food is different. It wasn't that I look different. It's because the culture was different. So you have an entire society, black, white, or indifferent, not understanding where my family comes from and not having the sleepovers and not doing certain <laughs> Sleepovers, right? Like there's some things you have food at home. You don't. You, you don't, don't go do out that. To eat. Yeah, but also witnessing with my family the boldness of my mother. 
when she would speak to someone in a store, she wasn't timid because that wasn't culturally who we were, who right, we are. Right. So I never experienced that side of things. I didn't learn about their experiences because until I, my friends who are from, you know, I'm born here, but you know what I'm saying? Right. Absolutely. I hear their experiences and it's different. Right. And, and that's my same story. Yeah. You know, I, I've even gotten into a heated discussion with someone I grew up with who is American who, you know, how is your culture so different? I, the very term culture implies difference, you know, doesn't mean better, doesn't mean worse, just different. Just you know, different. I say good night as a greeting. I and do. that is a Caribbean good upbringing. Night. Yeah. You know, yeah. people look at me and laugh, like, are you leaving? I'm like, like no. I'm saying goodnight. I'm just saying goodnight. It's part of my culture. It's what I've been taught to do. Mm-hmm. And that's something minute that shows a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, aside from the things like you mentioned that we know. We know music. We know food. We right. know those kind of things. But there are little things that are ingrained in us that separate cultures. And that's from Asian culture to West Indian culture to American culture and so on and so forth. But I think that's what makes us beautiful. And that's why I say Baytown, even though we've seen a lot of growth, and that is good growth, right? Right. There are some things that are unchanged. And I think because we are such a melting pot mm-hmm. and embracing to different places, cultures, we, we have the Cuban restaurant. Yeah. We have a lot of West Indian food places as well. We embrace culture here. I think that just needs to be across the board. I think things that are symbolic and representative need to speak to who we are as a community. Let's talk about a few things that's going on. We've had COVID, which I think really I've been saying throughout most of the shows really force everyone to experience and realize what's going on in the world and that Baytown is no different. Houston, Mont Bellevue, they're no different. We're part of this world. We may be a melting pot and we may have been quiet to some things. We're very, someone said that we're very accepting, quiet, patient community because no one ruffles feathers here. You know, we just move along. I mean, we ruffle, but nothing, but I think right now in 2020, we're ruffling feathers. Like people are, are willing to speak up because now we're forced to see things and forced to see the differences in our community. Right now, what do you think we need to change? Because now people are listening. What do you see for Baytown? So I do think that, I mean, we've made national news long before COVID. Many times. Right. There was a young girl of Caribbean descent who made national news because of her hair from Sterling High School. Yep. There's a young man, although Mont Bellevue is a technically a different town. Yeah, we, those we're of us who live here know. We that. know. We're, we're all the it, same. We're all right. the same. You know, he's made national news. Mm -hmm. And so there is a difference in the generation, I believe. You can equate and factor so many different things to the awakening, if you will. Right now, particularly, I think, and and I spoke to a a colleague of mine and he used this example, so I'll borrow his term. We're all watching the same channel. We are all watching the same channel right now. People can't escape and take their children to soccer practice. Right. You know, we're limited to what we can even purchase in the grocery store, so we're not spending all our time there. Right. You know, there's no tea time. No brunch. It is on every news channel. We're forced. We're f- you're forced because mm-hmm. th- these issues are not new. George Floyd was not the first. No. You know, but like I say, right now, people are who have not paid attention or who were patient and accepting and just kind of, I don't want to ruffle feathers. You're forced to to do so. And and watching the rest of the world, Mississippi just enacted legislation to change their flag. That's big. That's, big. That's been going on for many, many years. And so when we see the rest of the world progressing, what side of history are we going to be on? It builds a frustration because you can ignore, and this is with any community, when you want change, but you're not forced to look at it. Say, oh, we're fine. We're fine. We're good. I don't see things. Right. But the reality is it's there. It It may not be your frame of reference all the time, but it's there. You can't say, 
I mean, you can, but it's not, you're not being truthful that things are not happening. Sure. That there isn't a, a separation or a divide. Right. It's just that some people may not speak up or feel they have the power to speak. No and matter, some people are scared to and speak. And they're scared to speak. But I think right now the world has invoked a power to speak for many people. Yeah. You know, Pamela Turner's situation that we have, that was just a year ago past May. We've made national news. Texas alone has made news. We had Pamela Turner. They had Botman John. They had the young lady who was shot in her apartment on a wellness check. It's a, a lot happened between 2018 and 2020, even just right here in Texas, that you have to look at your own community. Yes, ma'am. It's forced, you're forced to look at it. Yeah. And to, to go back to your initial question, you know, we, we discussed the tree previously. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I definitely think that's something that needs to be reevaluated. It's a tree at the end of the day, right? But the tree was symbolic to something prior to it dying. So should the tree have ever been acknowledged as it is? You know, that's something that, that's a discussion that needs to be had. Right now, there are talks about the name changing of these schools. Yeah. You know, Lee and Sterling. Well, definitely Lee for sure. Yes. I mean, not even just Lee and Sterling. Our college, world-renowned college, right? You know, mm-hmm. they, they Lee College has made national news as They well. are on the map. Yes. On the map, right yes. here in Little Old Baytown. But... Let's be real. Lee College Rebels, not just the name, but the mascot. You have Lee High School, and now there has been progression, but let's just address the history. You had the Brigadiers. You had the band playing Dixie. It is the integrated school that the white students went to. The black students were forced to integrate there. So what does that name say and to a black child who's there, you know, and not negating anybody's what anybody is prideful about? However, if we're going to act as though we're inclusive, we need to correlate that with the things that we do. And so these these are discussions that are already being had. I'm just a small piece to that puzzle. But no, it's good that we're having them. And I feel the comfort is there to have those conversations. And I feel the maturity is there. Mostly the maturity is there to have the conversations. Because I think with recent events, like you said, and many have said, we're all watching the same channel. So now it's like, wow, let me pay attention. Because beforehand, it was, oh, people just complaining. They're emotional. They feel what they feel. Forget about it. You can't forget about it when it keeps happening. And you can't forget about it when it's happening to someone who doesn't look like you or you're not allowing me to at least tell you where I'm coming from. When you ignore and push aside someone, be it your child or yourself, you're causing a boiling over. And now it's like, no, you're going to listen and look because nothing else is going on. Right. Nothing else can make you be distracted. But what's beautiful is we have so many people now who are willing to listen and are thoughtful with their listening. And they're trying to form the questions the right way. And like I said many times, we need to exercise grace because it's hard to have these conversations. It's very uncomfortable to have these conversations because everyone's tie is different. Being from where we're from and going to Lee, you're not understanding brigadiers. I, I wasn't in Brig and now they're the celebrities or whatever they mm-hmm, are. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand what that was because mm-hmm. it wasn't the conversation in my home. Right. Once I started educating myself and being around a friends who were family are from here and then family getting their own awareness of people, they it's like, oh, yeah, that's what that, that meant. That's what that meant because <laughs> they're not taught in the Caribbean about that. Right. It's not that's not the that's it's, not the education. It's like this epiphany. Right. Yes. But you meet people where they are. Just because they didn't understand or didn't pay attention or weren't knowledgeable then. You meet the people where they are. Yes. As they've gained the understanding, as they've become willing to mobilize the movement. And it is a mature discussion. No one ever has to agree with me, but I always respect somebody's opinion. Don't disrespect me. Right. (laughs) And that's the thing. Yeah, you have to have that conversation. I was telling a friend of mine this morning 
with, with social media and I just you have to unplug sometimes I can have a conversation with anyone no matter what your views are as long as it's respectful when it gets to be disrespectful then we can't have a conversation we can't I'm communicate done. you can like who you like love who you love doesn't matter to me let's have a, an adult conversation right. and that's how things get resolved or at least opens up the like you know what we can talk about these things right. and agree to disagree and have that type of dialogue but let me ask you this lifelong Baytown resident high school junior high elementary school what were your thoughts on Baytown, given our own tension, given our own dirty laundry, the Pamela Turner March, mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter March, mm-hmm. when you saw that, what was your initial, then a unity for um, Juneteenth, we had the Juneteenth Unity Parade. How did you feel about that? What were your thoughts when it happened? Mm. So, I think the protest was necessary. Okay. I think the protests around the world are necessary. Absolutely. Not a popular opinion, but a lot of people have stated the looting and the things. And I agree, you know, crime is crime. Don't do it. You know, your voices can go mute by doing those things. However, in the same breath, I will also say for those who have felt I've done everything else they've asked me to do. I've raised my hand and waited to be called on. I've attended the meeting. I've written the letter. I've typed the message. If they felt that that was their last resort, look where we are now. It did, in fact, seek results. Not saying that it's right, nor am I encouraging anyone to commit any types of crimes. But let's just talk about what we're dealing with, you know. And so I think the the marches here were necessary as well because there's an issue. Baytown Police has made the news on several occasions. And I find it baffling that our leadership has not come out and said anything. Now, I am in law school, as I mentioned, so I understand you can't speak about open cases and there's a lot of confidential things. That's fine, nor is that what I'm even talking about. But it takes nothing to come out and say, we understand the pain that our community is dealing with. We understand the pain that this family is dealing with. As the investigation goes on, we hope to move the community forward. That's very general. I have yet to hear that. I've called my council member. I've yet to hear that. I've mobilized people to go to the city council meetings. I have yet to hear that. So the protests were very necessary. I was, when I saw the chief of police and the mayor and the council member, for District 3 present, I I look at things differently. I was wondering where the rest of the council members were or they were marching because of the incident with Officer Brown and the the young man or the young man. It were three of them. Right. And so I was curious to find out where the council member for that district was. Why is District 3's council member here? I look at things very, very differently and I analyze Right. I mean, that is the only black council member we have. This is definitely an issue where race has been brought up. And to me, I just didn't appreciate what looked to be an optic. So I appreciated the march. I appreciated the community coming together. I, it just didn't feel genuine from the leadership standpoint, in my opinion. No, it very well may have been. It's not what I received. It's not what I felt. I, I, I think we, we have to grow. We have to start somewhere. So if, if it was, in fact, genuine, bravo to those who were there, who are in leadership, who have been elected in positions. Kudos to them because you're doing the right thing if that was the case. But to me, as a member of the community, as a member of the district, I just didn't feel it. Do you think that it's just uncomfortable because no one really knows what to say? And at the time, everything was so very raw. It's still raw now. But at the time, everything was so very raw. You just don't want to say the wrong thing because it's going to be taken the wrong way. Yeah. 
For sure. I mean, we've seen it with any situation. Just saying hello the wrong way. What do you, what, what, what you mean? What do you mean? Yeah, right, right. And I, and, People and are on the fence. They're on the fence. And I really feel that I agree with you. And I also feel that you have people who are in positions right now they've never been in. The discomfort is really tight on top of COVID and trying to figure out how to handle that with supplies and people losing their jobs. And how do we get, you know, food banks are being exhausted, resources being, resources being exhausted. What do you do for your community or your district? And then this happens, which clearly has been an issue that has never been resolved. So now it's like, what are you going to do? Because tension is extremely high now. There's a lot that can be done. I reached out to the mayor to have a discourse with him. And this was right before the incident with Officer Brown. So I understand he's a very busy man. But th- there's a discussion that just has to be had. There needs to be a revamping going on with our police department. How we select these officers, what the requirement is to become an officer. There needs to be something. Because if we are truly charged with protecting the community, then we can't have those who are supposed to do that harming the community. We all saw the video of Officer Brown. Officer Brown in that particular video threatened to arrest another young man for cursing, but he cursed at him. That is contradictory. It is also not by the book. You have to have a complainant. Who complained? The officer could not have been the complainant and that's just understanding the law. So we see these things and it's like, what are we doing to change it? I've been to the community talks years and years. I've been in this community. They had the J.D. Walker discussion years ago. I was there. I asked questions. We need to understand things from a cultural standpoint. I posed that to the chief of police and he he agreed. I want to know, as well as many other people in the community, since that last conversation and any others that you've had prior, what has been changed? Where's the transparency? Our tax dollars put these people in positions and we call on these people when we are in need. But there becomes a divide when you don't feel comfortable doing so. I, as a law student, had to take a criminal procedure course. I also had to take criminal law. Why are our officers not taking such courses? It's very simple. What they can and cannot do is right there in the Constitution. What they can and cannot do is handwritten. Why is it that, and this is not isolated to Baytown, so, you know. it's everywhere, absolutely everywhere, Right, you know, why is it that what happens in the streets with the police and the common citizen has to be corrected in the courtroom with an attorney? Right. When the attorney and the officer technically should be on the same side. Now, you have attorneys, you have defense, you have prosecution, and you have these defense attorneys who are protecting the rights of individuals, but there should be nothing to have to protect if we were all on the same accord in the first place. Right. If the officer was doing what he was charged with doing, you know, and I get it, it's a dangerous job and we appreciate those who go out and fight the good fight, but we're not talking about them right now. <laughs> you right. know, I mean, the frustra- of course, the frustration is high and it's, it's not an easy job. And so many are pulled in directions they shouldn't have they pulled in, um, just like educators are having to be counselors and therapists. And these officers are the same way and they're out here. But like you said, there has to be a revamping. There needs to be a conversation. And then with that conversation, action, what's the action? Because we can talk, talk, talk. We've talk. done that. We've been talking. Right. People are tired of talking. It, it is the same correlation that I made with the protest. People were tired of talking. So they start burning stuff and breaking into stuff. Now, again, not anything that I promote. Right. So I want I want anyone listening to understand that. However, that is the sentiment of the individual. They wasn't hearing me, so let them feel me, right? And we don't want to get to that place. We do have a peaceful community. We do have an inclusive, for the most part, community. However, we got to address those little quiet issues because they will fester. They yes. will grow. And then they will boil over, to borrow your term. And so 
it's important to figure out what can we do now to be proactive rather than what we'll do later to be reactive. And I think that's something everyone wants across class lines, across race lines, across education lines. We all just want to live peacefully and happily. No one wants the issues of having to deal with things that are uncomfortable. But that is the nature of the world. And especially for our leaders, when we put ourselves in positions to be leaders, we sign up to do that work. And it is the duty of the people who are there to do it. Thank you so much for listening to Baytown Engage. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Podbean, Apple, and Spotify. Stay tuned.